0: Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 96 here on the Sports Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim, along with Anthony here tonight. And uh, we're going to have a special guest a little later for you in John Fargo from the Warren Tribune, which is the Youngstown State basketball programs, both the ladies and the men's. And uh, we'll talk to John primarily about the men's mm-hmm. program, a little bit about the ladies, but we didn't get really into that. Maybe we'll have him on again later. And talk more about them, especially uh, as we get closer to tournament time. But we're going to look forward to that. We just got off the phone with him earlier, and we'll have that for you here uh, just in a little bit.
1: Yeah, it was great to have John on and uh, talking some who. if we haven't done that a lot so far this year. But uh, the women's team, Tim, we've talked about it numerous times. The uh, a job they do every year. Every year it seems like when they get things going finally – there's major injuries, but but nobody uses as an excuse. Nobody brings it up. It's just next girl up or we're right with what we got. And at the end of the year, 20 wins is the norm. I mean, 20 wins is the norm for this program. And the men's team, uh, John touched on. He went deaf. Um, there's talent now. There's there's talent here. The culture is being built. Um, and the schedule they've played here, Tim, you broke it down with John. It's not Cupcake City. It's Louisville and West Virginia, and uh, John touched on Akron and Central Michigan. And, you know, these teams are playing forensically tournament bids. So, uh, Louisville and West Virginia are probably going to be second weekend teams. Um, so, and the Penguins are sitting here 11 and 9 with five home games in a row against teams that, damn, I think you'd agree they should be favored against. And um, they should get the job done, if not in all five, probably four. Uh, I think four and one is, you know, Calhoun talked about on the radio show uh, this past week of let's stop saying, hey, let's go one and one in a road trip or let's let's compete. He said let's win them all. That's your goal. Like I don't go into a kid's house and say, hey, let, hey, come here and let's win a couple games here and there. It's no, but we want to win all of them and. Uh, I thought John and you did a great job breaking that down, and uh, Penguins have some momentum going forward after a tough uh, two-game road trip. But uh, hopefully, people can turn out at the Vegas stand this week.
0: Yeah, it should be interesting to see how they handle this coming uh, home stand of five games. And as you mentioned, they're eleven and nine. This uh, program has been stagnated for a long time, and hopefully, uh, John C- C- Calhoun and them are turning the corner and coach Calhoun will have them playing at their highest level going forward. As for the schedule as you mentioned, yeah, you're a division 1 team. You have to play division 1 schools. You're going to have to play money games because your program needs the money. Mm-hmm. If you can go to Louisville and play, if you could go to Ohio State or Michigan a State in the last couple of years, Pitt, it doesn't matter who mm-hmm. it is. If you can get a a fee for going to those games and quite honest with you, if you learn to compete against them You'll just get better and better, yep. and uh, you have to compete in Northeast Ohio yep. and Western Pennsylvania schools that are similar size to you, or a little bit bigger, and Kent and Akron, and as you mentioned Toledo. If you go a little far west, or if you go to Pittsburgh, where you have Robert Morris and and other schools to, to deal with. So yeah, you have to um, you have to make sure that your program can compete and you have and the only way to do that is get on the floor and play teams and that's what you know they have done here recently so um, i'm encouraged about the program overall i'm encouraged uh talking to john about the recruits that are coming in that is uh they're going to need to uh continue to upgrade that and and challenge themselves and Uh We could talk about the program all day long, but let's 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 just talk about it with John and yeah. uh, let that conversation uh, really get started. I tell you what, Anthony, let's let's right now let's mm-hmm. uh, pick up the phone and uh, dial John, and we will uh, be talking to John Vargo right here uh, from the Warren Tribune about the Youngstown State Penguins basketball programs. Anthony, now is an opportunity to bring in a good friend of ours from uh, the high
2: school football season and. Oh, for the last 25 years covering high school sports in this area it is John Vargo from the Warren Tribune. He also covers the Youngstown State Penguins basketball team, and that was one of the reasons we wanted to get him on, because the Penguins are actually quite entertaining this year. Uh, coming into the season, John, first of all, thanks for coming on, but uh, just talk about what some of your expectations coming into the season, what you were hoping to see out of the Penguins.
3: Well, as far as the men's team goes, um, I was figuring around 15 wins this year. 15 wins would be a good gauge for this team for it to go where it needs to go and keep making progress every year. Right now with 11 wins, there's a good chance they could surpass it. I know they've lost their last two, but Wright State State is by far and away the best team in this league. Loud Love is the player of the year at this point because he is just a load at 6'8", 260. Is just um, <laughs> he is just a behemoth inside. Uh, he doesn't have a great finishing move, but boy, he can just take up a lot of space in there and make it really difficult for other post players there. But as for as for YSU goes, I think you know they have a five game road trip here, uh, five game excuse five game homestand, and it's it's a good place to turn around because they've uh, they're eight and zero right now at home. They've played well there at the Bigley Center, and I think it's, it, right now is to make people notice in this community how good they are playing.
2: Yeah, you know, that's something that
3: I've always talked
2: about when you talk about any team, but especially YSU, is the need to win at home um, just to attract fans and attract some, um, some goodwill in the community because, unfortunately, this program has had so many downs more than ups in the last 20 years that they need to have some type of reason that you believe they have a legitimate opportunity to compete in the game and most likely have a chance to get the victory.
3: I'm not going to say they have to win all five games, but it, it would go a whole heck of a lot of way to, for this team to getting a little bit of goodwill in between this community. And, you know, it's like the, cause I'll be honest with you. I had a friend of mine whose son is good friends with my son, and he went into the big Bigley Center one time, and we were just in there, and he looked around and said, wow. He said, I never, never knew they had this place. And I'm I'm betting you he's probably not the only one because they yeah. don't market themselves well. They really don't. It's, no. like it's I'm sorry, John, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, and, and if you look around the gym, And if you've ever been in any other facilities, in the two facilities I I was in this past weekend, the Nutter Center and the BB&T Arena, which is a gorgeous gorgeous place down there. Oh, my gosh. It is, like I said, it is the Taj Mahal of the Horizon Lake. This place is just unbelievable. And most of these places are as... Uh, the multi-purpose facilities, like the like the Cavelli Center, they're publicly funded, and they have other venues there. They have concerts, they'll have pro wrestling, they'll have other then other events there besides basketball. Even though the BB&T is the home court of both the men and women for Northern Kentucky, and that's where they do practice because they do have their uh, athletic facilities there and they have their athletic offices which are just beyond imaginable there and it's like their weight room and I got to see that before the game and wow just totally blow me away because this is it looks more like a high major facility than it does a mid-major
2: right and that is uh obviously goes a long way with recruiting you know you can show off a uh a home court like that and facilities like that it, it kind of puts uh stars in in young men and young women's uh, eyes, as they see that, and not that Bigley's terrible. Bigley's actually a nice facility. It's just what fifty years old.
4: Old, yeah,
3: yeah. And here's the thing: wooden bleachers. That's high school. It's yeah. like you have you still have wooden bleachers there, and you have benches on the sides for your general mission. And and here's here's one thing I've said for years. You have a lot of older clientele that come to see the games, and they sit in the chair back seats. Mm-hmm. Now, they have to step up. They have to make that high step up to go up the bleachers, which house the seats there. I haven't – I'm not – I've i been shocked there hasn't been somebody that's face, that hasn't face-planted trying to go up those stairs or trying to get around that stuff because it's really not suitable to them. I mean, you got to have uh, – I know it takes money, and I know you, you, winning solves a lot of issues too, but you got to make some kind of you know improvements to your seating around there at the Bigley Center because it is just – you really can't sell it. Like you just said, recruits right. see that. Which one am I going to go to? If I'm, going, if I'm between Northern Kentucky and Youngstown State, of course I'm going to Northern Kentucky. I mean, look at the facilities down there. They made the investment in it. So – and you yeah, can say, yeah. well, yeah, there's football, but well, a lot of other places have football too. A yeah. lot of MAC schools, and you gotta at one point you gotta quit crying. You know, we don't have enough money yep. to do something. You gotta put some money to make money.
4: Yeah, you gotta spend to make money. You're exactly right, John. It's you know the old adage of look, there's some merit too. Why is your needs to spend more money? That's that's true, but you're also right that you you need to invest in this program. And Tim and I have talked about it off the air and on the air, that issue will only go as far as they really want to go. Are they content where they are with the women's team being third best in the Horizon League, maybe once or twice every couple of years beating a Green Bay at home, uh, but not getting to the championship game in the Horizon League tournament? And the men's are they content with being just, hopefully being five hundred. Until they so, spend money to make money, you're exactly right, John. They're gonna be they're gonna be in a difficult position as far as recruits go.
3: Yeah. Because you're not just the, recruiting
4: against I don't mean to cut you off, you're not just recruiting against hmm. the schools in your conference, but Akron and Kent and Bowling Green and Toledo, those are some of the schools, Duquesne and Robert Morris, those are some of the schools you're recruiting against and all those facilities are better.
3: Yeah. And they don't want it as much as they say, Well we spent you did you put a drop in the bucket as far as you know putting a facade there around the business center. You didn't really spend anything because I'm I'm telling you, I've been up to, the best one and I think it would be suitable for this area, uh if you've ever been to the Overeen up at Oakland, they have four thousand three 000 to four thousand seats up there. They have one level and it's all the way around. There's no upper level. It's just one level. They have one place for the student section who have that, you know, those plastic bleachers like they had in mm-hmm. most high schools now. And then they have good seating for for the rest of the way around. They don't have bleacher seating. They have good, solid seating. And they look like they put some money into it. How and do you think find-
4: we can get more students to the games?
3: I mean, besides How we can winning- get more students to the games? Yeah, uh, that-
4: that's been a struggle marketing. for the
3: whole program, too. Like, marketing, because yeah. it's like it, it comes down to marketing, because if you don't sell it to your students, if they don't know there's a product there, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't have your own staff do, because um, it just seems like their own staff has to promote it within. And if you're not going to promote it within your student section, and I know, well, I know for one down there, Chris Summer's doing it, you know, doing his damnedest to, you know, try to do his, whatever mm-hmm. he can to get it in there because he's working his butt off. So, um, but there's just, I, either you need more staff, you need something there because it's just the word's not getting out to these people. It just that's what I'm feeling.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's complacency in the in the school mm-hmm. because they have been oh. deemed well, for the last 35-plus years as a football program. And the football program dominates the basketball program. And as what Anthony said, I happen to agree with a lot, is this program will only grow when the university makes it a priority to make it grow. Uh, The ladies' team, God bless them. I mean, they're down to eight players right Mm now, and they continue to compete every year. It it seems like uh, John Garn's team, unfortunately, every time he gets a quality uh team that he gets the injury bug and yeah. it's amazing uh how well they have performed with the numbers that they've had to deal with the last couple of years.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's uh yeah, that's a credit to his staff, you know, it's credit to him and his staff to be able to, you know, gut through that because it's it's not easy. It's not easy. I know it's like eight is usually your rotation you yeah, have, but my gosh. You know, this is <laughs> This is, college, this is Division One college basketball. But as far as getting people to the games, I mean, yes, winning – I remember Eddie Guerrero used to say, you know, once you start winning, that will attract the bandwagon fans in this area. Yes, it will. Yep. But do they know about it? Are they well aware about it? Are they – you know, it's – I mean, is there a push out there for it? Because I – I would be, you know, it's like if I were marketing the program, I would have I would have a player, or I would have Jared Calhoun, I would have somebody from the staff, you know, on one either TV, I would have them on radio, I would have them on a billboard. I mean, put them out there, you know. It's like let them be, you know, let it, let it breathe a little bit, you know, because yeah. if you, if you're not out there and you're not seeing this. How are you going to know about it? I mean, in the community, because it, it's it's kind of mind-boggling sometimes how much complacency complacency mm-hmm. there is within the YSU building.
2: Yeah, and more than anything is the promotion of the of the school's athletics is still stuck in the nineteen late nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. early nineteen eighties. It has never <laughs> evolved. I hate saying that, but that's just the way I see it. And I don't want to continue to hit hit the dead horse here, but, yeah, that's that's something that the university – only the university can make that change. And maybe they have to hire an outside Mm -hmm. uh, firm to handle the the promotions of this uh, program, uh, to make new commercials that you can see Mm -hmm. on TV, to draw – the three television stations in the market—they come cover them on a regular basis. They send somebody and they get highlights and they talk to somebody, but they're not really, you know, as involved I think as they were 25 yeah. years
3: ago.
4: No, and maybe they uh, just
3: need new leadership.
4: As far as the, as far as Tim's point going, on, I, like you said, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you you look around the town from July to. November uh, for football season, and the billboards, like you said, John, have a picture of Coach Plenty's face. They have a picture of one of the players. You know, there are commercials out there, buy some tickets, come to the game this week. It's all it's all in WFMJ. I remember Tim and I last year, we were driving to through Niles going to one of our football games, and they had a basketball billboard up, and it was a white billboard. That said, why is you men's basketball? It gave the university phone number was just a basketball and a hoop. But that's not marketing <laughs> at all. Like I mean, come on. That's,
3: yeah, that's just like you know what? Men's basketball can draw money for your program. Men's yeah. basketball is a money sport. They treat it like a secondary yep. secondary secondary class citizen and they've done it for years. They've done it since I've been there. And I know. Both it, it's like, I mean, Jerry Slocum was played next to nothing as far mm-hmm. as Division One coach goes. He tried his best. He had a great quality, a guy who's at Struthers right now who busted his hump to get good players in there. Mm-hmm. And yet, who was going to see him? Robic before him, mm-hmm. tried everything he could. He got thrown into uh, Horizon League with a bunch of MidCon players. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, that that happened there. You know, there's, I feel there's no support for this, this program. There <laughs> really don't. And I, I just think maybe there needs to be a change in leadership, but God, you know, because I just think there's too much complacency as far as the lazy fair of mm-hmm. being in a men's basketball program. Because if you, what Jerry Calhoun has done right now is nothing sure of a miracle. Incredible. beyond Yeah. Because yeah. to go 11-9 and under this, these circumstances and the way this program runs, uh, I'm talking about the athletic program, is just mm-hmm. a minor miracle. So Yeah,
4: it's, and two of those losses have come to top ten Louisville, who many people picked to be a final four pick in West Virginia, who's having a great year uh, with two local standouts, Culver and uh, Toshiba. YSU had them late in the game in the uh, second half, and – Louisville, they're only down by seven at halftime, too. So they're, yeah. you're right, Sean. What he's done there in, what, three years? That's just his third year. Um, it's nothing short of incredible. And uh, it's a fun brand of basketball to watch. I know Tim's watched some games. I watched the games on, on TV. This is a fun brand of basketball. These guys are out there busting their butt. And no one in the community knows because. You
3: only know when the games are. No, no, you don't know when the games are. You have no clue when they are, and it just seems like. I mean, I understand most of these kids. that go to YSU, and my kid's going to be the same way in a couple mm-hmm. of years. You know, if he goes there, I mean, he's going to have to get a part-time job. He's going to have, yep. I mean, other kids they have stuff to do. They have other jobs yep. to get to. But yeah, it's most of their student support is from the other student athletes.
2: You know, the last time the they the last time they really marketed it to the students, and you have to go forty years ago. You mm-hmm. got to go back to when Rice was there, where he actively sought out the uh, the Greek community at Youngstown and all that, the, the sororities and the fraternities to come to the games. And they used to have special games. I remember they had to go play at midnight to get those games on TV at times, and they had Midnight Madness, and and, and it was filled nothing with more than anything uh, with students back then, and. I know I'm, I'm aging myself here, but that's really the last time they uh, they did that. However, I want to talk about some of the players, if you don't mind.
3: That right, right, are, please.
2: Are really, uh, truly uh, busting their, their tails this year, doing well. And and Garyus Quisenberry leading the, the team with over 15 points like ball game. Just take a moment to talk about his leadership and what he needs to this program uh, for uh, Coach Calhoun.
3: Well, I can take you back to Saturday. So he had two points. He was one of eight from the field on Saturday. And there's Coach Slay, got his arm around him, and they're both talking. Because, I mean, here's Quisenberry. He's coming back home. He he went to high school. Uh, he graduated from Huber Heights, Wayne, probably no more than 10, 15 minutes away from the Nutter Center. He, he's from Springfield, Ohio, probably about a half hour north northeast of uh, the Nutter Center. I mean, he knows this area. His parents, his family knows this area. I mean, he had a good showing there at the game. And for what he did in the second half, come up with 17 points in the second half to try to make a run at these guys. I mean, they were within five with about three minutes mm-hmm. left to go. I mean, and then he makes an air ball, you know, on a second free throw. And I asked him after the game about pressure and I got an unexpected answer. You know, his dad came back off of prostate cancer. They had five children. He says, that's pressure. This is fun for me. He says, I have real life pressure. So it's like the way he views things and the way mm-hmm. he does it, it operates is a different level than most people. And he could be, he could be one of the special players here uh, before it's all said and done here at the YSU. Cause in the way he leads and the way he's able to operate and it just, it, there really seems like no pressure for him except for, you know, and he's not afraid to go up against a Wild Muff. He's not afraid to drive the lane because it doesn't scare him at all. You know, it's like those those things are inconsequential to him because of what he's experienced in his life and that, that makes him, in my mind, a better player. Yeah, I just
2: um
4: you know, Dronzigo Do you said I Margans believe well, he struggled in the first half. I think he had two fouls, three fouls, couple points, um and they were down 15, 16 points early in that game. Um, and he came back, and and he led them to within five or six at one point. And um, the type of leader he is, he's really helped YSU get the point to where they are now, four and three in conference, where you know, a couple of years ago we'd killed before four and three in conference at this point.
3: Oh, yeah. And the one thing is – With this team, and I've said it all the time in in their defense, I mean, they're still, even with the two games this past weekend, they're still holding teams to under 70 a game. And it's crazy to think of that, you know? It's like, because, I mean, you can take a couple years ago, even Calhoun's first year, I mean, they're looking like 80, 90, into Jerry's tenure. It's like the 80, 90 points a game they're giving up, you know? It just seemed like... They were never in a game.
2: Yeah, I, it, it, it's amazing uh, to watch him play. I love the way he, his style. Uh, another player who uh, kind of gives him a little girth inside, and uh, I mean, I know it's not a big team, but and Asbel has uh, mm-hmm. has made a big impact this season.
3: Because you're talking about under ten points, nine boards a game. I mean, for a six-six player who gives you the impression. Oh, uh, Antonio Gates. Because when I saw him play at Kent State, you know, and the, I know right. they're a little bit different kind of player, but they're both the football mentality player. They're both yeah, – but, man, the, the drive Nas Bohan has every game. I mean, they're, they're just another motor in that kid. I mean, the way he comes out and attacks and just attacks the defense. I mean, he can go against two seven-footers, and he's going to muscle his way in there, and he's going to get his that night. Because he'll try to post up, and he will do his darndest to get through. So, and then another guy is Michael Acuche because Michael Akuche because Mike. I can tell you this: after spending so much time in the gym after games, if you come, if you stay probably about a half hour after a home game, you can see him with a manager, and he's shooting here from three, from mid range. He's working on his game. He's working on foul shots. He's working. He's constantly working. He's done that his first two years, and that's one thing Jerry Calhoun told me. He said this is going to be a breakout year for him, and it really has been because Mike has really come through this year. He had that double double against Oakland earlier this season. Um, he didn't have a great game against Wright State, but uh, or at Northern Kentucky. But I can tell you this: uh, when he is on, this team is on as well. Yeah. That three-point shot, I mean,
2: I think he leaves the team in percentage and he may leave the team in, in total three points coming into the uh, into this next game. But more, that's a big part of this, this offense. And I guess maybe that's the hardest thing for them to get to the next step because I think their three-point shooting is, what, under 30% mm-hmm. for the season? And they need Whoa. really to have a little higher percentage to, as this uh, season pro- progresses.
3: Well the problem is most of the league, if you look around the league, it averages around thirty two to thirty three percent a game because there is not a lot of teams shooting good three point percentages. Um what Northern Kentucky has done is nothing but short of miracle because you've taken the three point line and moved it out almost two and a half feet right. from where it was. So it's affected a lot of people. There's a lot of people. You're probably going to see in bigger jumps mm-hmm. come next year or the year after. But people are still trying to adjust to that. That uh, that even that little bit that that two feet makes a huge difference to some jump shooters. So it, you're and right. That,
2: that's, that's a good point.
3: I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're anymore.
4: exactly right. There's been a lot of games this year, not just in the Horizon League, but in all college basketball in general that. Three point shooting gets just really down this year. Has it opened up the inside game or more? That
2: moving the uh, the archers back like that, you think, John? I think it's
3: I think it's made why for just YSU purposes. It's made them drive a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's made them rely on the inside shot. And their offensive, you know, rebounding is amazing because I mean, they're I mean, look at their uh, offensive rebounds. They're about sixty per sixty more than their opponents. Coming into uh, Thursday's game, I mean they they got two seventy four to two thirteen, so they got sixty one more, uh, yeah, sixty one more than their opponent coming off after 19, 20 games. So it's like it's 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 something else to hear, you know, see that because you haven't seen that in years past. You haven't seen them crash the boards. I mean, getting second and right. third chances on on. Uh, on possessions, their defensive rebounding is where they need to limit teams because Wright State did have second, third opportunities themselves. They need to have more one and duns. avoid the three point, you know, uh, giving up a three point play. So those are the kind of things why she does need to work on going forward. So and that's that's Akuche and Bohan and trying to settle down and have that as well. But I did see something. On Saturday, which is very promising, is Jameer Thomas, their big six eight two sixty five center um, or power forward, I should say. He had twelve rebounds. And he only had four points, but he had twelve rebounds. He was yeah, able crucial. to body. He he was able to body up loud and love. He was able to frustrate him all night. Get you know box him out a little bit. So it's like for out of the five spot, that's the best I've seen out of this year, guys. That's the best I've seen out of that five spot because you have a old off Peterson who's trying to you know, if he can stay out of foul trouble and be consistent in the five spot, I mean he can be really good because he's a hell of a shot blocker. I mean I saw it early in his career, but he's had those two hand injuries, he's still trying to get adjusted to where he's going right now. So maybe in the next, you know, five to you know, five to seven games he can start getting adjusted and a little bit more where he's going. But right now, they're going with a hot hand, and and Saturday was with Jameer. So out of the two guys, see who gets the more playing time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that going forward for this program is going to be huge for Coach Calhoun. If he can uh, recruit some of the guys with more size, uh, especially as we just talked about how the inside game has uh, changed since they uh, moved back to the three-point line. And, uh six eight in above I mean I know they're they're dream type players to get because uh, basketball has become kind of flat mm-hmm. at six six and below because of the you know the how how crucial a three point line has been in the past, but uh I think that's that's gonna be the biggest challenge i mean to recruit size coming into uh for this program going in the future.
3: Well, they have a guy coming in from North Carolina. He's originally from the Ivory Coast, and I did a story on him back in September, October. And when they did, oh no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, when they did commit, when they were committed, uh, and I got both of him and uh, uh, Miles. I'm sorry, I'm I just losing his name. He's a six five uh, guard. He's coming in, so um, right. But yeah, this guy Shake. Um, and from the Ivory Coast, he's 6'8", and I could tell you this, I first time ever interviewed a guy, we're on the phone for 20 minutes, like I'm talking to a long-lost friend. I mean, and I'm thinking, and, and I swear, and this guy is a double-double machine down there where he is at the uh, uh, Christian School in uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. I mean, and he's really good. I mean, he will box out, and he could be really effective come year one for Wyatt shoe. But the best thing is, this guy is so personable. He's a guy you want to market. He's a guy mm-hmm. you want to get into schools. You want to get out in face of your program. You know, it's like and say, you know, it's like if these kids can say, you know, hey, I've seen so and so. He came to my school. Let's go to their game. You know, it's like those are the kind of things you kind of want to see for YSU going forward too. So it's like get face recognition because people. Don't like I said before, they, some people don't even know that you still have a basketball team there, so yeah,
2: you uh, know, we talked about this before, but you know, and the old saying is winning cures all all ales, or at least covers up some of the ales. Uh, this five game home street, uh, homestand coming up is, is going to be uh, crucial for them. I know from previous years when I was uh, in school and uh, covering this team back in the late 90s, uh, when uh, Dan, um, uh, uh Peters Dan Peters, excuse me, had the team
4: mm-hmm.
2: they went on a winning streak like that, and it went it grew from like you know family and friends, as I like to say, mm-hmm. uh to a thousand people to two thousand people, and then they happened to make a run and they won like twenty games in, what ninety seven I think it was maybe the last time they actually won twenty games, and, that
3: was the year before I took over uh, the okay. beach, so it's like yeah,
2: yeah, but they had a the Valparaiso game, and they had forty five You know, 100 people in Big League. So it can happen. It's just, like you said, uh, does anybody know they're playing? Because I don't even think they get the local coverage other than in the newspaper. Uh, They don't get the coverage on on the local TV stations at all. They just mention them, you know. And it's, it's a shame if they do, they show just a couple highlights and say, you know, Dan Quisenberry, had, or excuse me, Dan Quisenberry, but Darius Quisenberry yeah. had. <laughs> I had, know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> you know, had, you know, 14 points in the game and you know, had the big winning shot, you know, against Oakland, you know, when he drove uh-huh. the court, that type of thing. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always had this dream, you know, living here in, in the Valley all my life, uh, is to see this team finally make the NCAAs. I'm running out of time. I'm 53 now. I don't know <laughs> if it's going to happen in my lifetime. Uh, they've been a Division One team since 1980, and uh, there's not many schools that still haven't qualified.
3: That's been but around and, that long. And, and, Tim, I'm 46, and I'm going on 47 in a couple months, and I can tell you this. It's like it's, it's better. It's better because I was there for aerobics. 1911 season, and that's a mm-hmm. team that should have right. made to make non-finals. I yep. mean, not lose yeah. on a Sunday night in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's a, a team you already beat twice. I mean, an Oral Roberts team you beat twice because they had the talent. I mean, it's T.J. Anderson back in the day. You didn't... I mean, right. he was, that was his best year. His freshman year was his best year. He just went downhill after that because he was a great mid player, not a great Horizon League player. So it's like... I mean, those. Yeah. There is a difference. Yep. There's a huge difference in talent. I mean, between yep. the two, you know, it's like, and you probably one thing is like, oh, okay, yeah, you can play in the northeast. You could have your northeast mm-hmm. guys playing. A- I'm like, no, you can't. It's it's a different kind of player there. And it's like, and it's like going to the mid mid uh, American Conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a different kind of player there because I mean, you can see when YSU you played. Akron and Central Michigan this year. I mean, their guard play is phenomenal. I mean, those two teams are two of the best teams in that league. I mean, and that's and that's saying something too because they have talent in that league year in and year out. So, but all right, John, I
2: don't. I was gonna say I didn't want to keep you too long. I just want to thank you for uh, coming on the podcast and. More than anything, I want to invite you back on. Uh, hopefully, before the uh, the tournament uh, season begins, and we can uh, kind of recap the season and and also uh, you know kind of look forward to that that uh, Horizon League uh, tournament. And I still have that dream.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I think there's <laughs> a lot of people out here that probably still have that dream as well. John, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Sean. No pro No, no, my pleasure, guys. Take care.
2: All right, that's John Vargo, and we'll be back in just a moment here on the podcast.
0: Our thanks goes out to John Vargo for appearing here on Radio MVP, and it was a uh, it was a great conversation with him. And uh, hope very you interesting, it. wasn't it? Yeah, hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, we we plan on doing more of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, of course, uh, Tom Reed on a, f- uh, a couple weeks back. And- a lot of positive feedback, by the way. I did too, matter of fact, Mm -hmm. and it was exciting to have. Hopefully we'll have great feedback again on uh, the John Vargo uh, appearance, and we're going to have others. I mentioned that I've reached out to uh, Dr. Kate O'Harlan from Mm -hmm. uh, Melbourne, and uh, I haven't got back to her yet, so we're going to try to get her on absolutely before the the season begins in uh, the AFLW, and uh, we'll have to have Gemma back on, and you know we're open to suggestions. If there's someone you want us to talk to in uh, the area or nationally, we'll we'll reach out to them and try to get them onto the podcast. Uh, worst uh, case scenario, they say no. So far, most have said yes, so uh, we've been pretty fortunate on that level. Let's talk about YSU real quick. Yes, the news came out today that. That Bo Pelini is a candidate mm-hmm. and a, a strong candidate is what the wording says to become the defensive coordinator for LSU, a place that he was mm-hmm. years ago when they won the national title against Ohio State uh, back in the uh, early 2000s. It's
1: January and uh, we're back talking YSU football. So Tim, like you mentioned, uh, news broke, I think this afternoon, you and I uh, touched base this afternoon and said, hey, this, there's some voodoo behind this nows." It's not just hearsay on uh, Twitter. It's uh, WFMJN, uh, WKBN, and uh, The Advocate, which is a Baton Rouge-based newspaper. Have reported that Bo Planey, former LSU defensive coordinator, is a strong candidate to replace uh, Dave Aranda on LSU staff. And Dana Ball has just said right now that he texted Planey and asked is there any validity to this. And, of course, Bo said no. Tim, this is... An opportunity to go back to where he started, basically, in the college ranks as defense coordinator, and a and a big-time pay bump.
0: Well, mean, this is a big-time pay bump. When he left Nebraska the first time after he didn't get the job, mm-hmm. uh, when he was interim head coach and they won the bowl game, uh, he went to LSU and he was there for a few years and then came back to Nebraska before coming out to Youngstown State. The question is is an obvious easy answer question. He could 10 times his money going back to a D, D coordinator at LSU. He's he'll make a million plus, maybe 2 million plus as a D, D coordinator for a school that size. And Coach O will definitely want him. There's no question in my mind uh that he's the type of of coach yes. that would he would want. Yes. Now, does that mean he's going and here's the question you have to ask. It really comes down to is Maximizing your opportunity to make that type of money, which I can't blame anybody Mm-mm. for not doing, okay, and becoming a D coordinator and working for Coach O uh, in LSU makes total sense. Total for, sense, yeah. For, for many coaches, the question you would have to ask is: Was Bill, is Bo, willing to give up? what he has worked for for the last 10 years as a head coach mm-hmm. yes, uh, at Nebraska and at Youngstown state and not leading a program and making those decisions. Now grant you that pay increase is hugely different between the two schools and the challenges are different mm-hmm. uh, in, in a lot of ways. It's a question that's un, un, unable to answer, but uh, obviously on a, A selfish point, I don't want to see him leave. I want to see him finish the job here. Uh, We've seen when he brings talent into this program, how well it could be, how well they can play and the level that they can take them. I know the last two years have been disappointing, but in 2016, they were in the, the finals. So they're not that far away again, quite honest with you. And I love the talent that he just recently brought in in the last two years. I do believe that the Penguins have a chance to retain them. I don't know if that will happen or not. And we'll just have to cross that bridge if and when it happens. If it does happen, it'll probably happen within the next week. Yeah, I it's can't be imagine it will happen. Because signing day within a month. Yeah. Right? And now, see, with the early signing day, that's mm-hmm. the real signing yes. day now. The secondary signing day is, is the one that happens in February. Uh, the real one is that early one now where most players make that commitment. Uh, to sign and sign with a uh, with a school, you know, at any level. If it's uh, a Youngstown State level or if it's Ohio State level or if it's a Division II school, uh, that early signing period is now really the number one signing period. It's taken over the one that happens in February. Not that it doesn't matter in February because you still have a lot of recruiting to do and players to impress and to bring into fold. It's just, it's changed the... The preference, uh, all coaches would rather have you sign in November yes. versus signing in February to to play in your in your organization in your program. So uh, that first signing date is, I think, has superseded the one in February now. But not saying it doesn't have uh, major consequences if you don't aren't able to get the ones you're still recruiting.
1: Yeah, it's you know in the sense that it would hurt YSU. Obviously, there'd be. A change of leadership this late because probably already into winter workouts. You're probably getting ready in two, three months to begin spring workouts and spring ball. The time period, you know, when he came back home, it wasn't just about being a head coach again. Yes, that's, that's what he wanted to do. But he came back home for a reason. This area means a lot to his family. And like you said, it's a lot of hearsay right now. Off of the rumors router that have some,
0: some validity to it. We'll just have to wait and see. His name has been mentioned quite often in the last five years, at different opportunities yes. at different places, either as a potential head coach or a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, mainly defensive coordinator that we've heard. And, and the thought process is just the money is so much greater. And, uh, and the level of play would be, you know, obviously the highest level in college football, that type of scenario. So, Oh, we'll wait and see. Like I said, I, I don't, I want the best for him and his family, whatever that choice may be. Obviously, as a Penguin fan, I want to see him stay here and finish the job. My gut feeling, and this is pure gut, and I've never talked to him, is that he wants to be a head coach. And that will supersede the need to be a D coordinator. Now, my gut says that stays because
1: he wants to finish this out. I think he's made it very clear in the last year or so um, that, he's going to get this right. And he is taking steps to again, right? Well, and, but I think he wants to stay here because of the ties to Youngstown. I think he wants to be here.
0: It's no different than any other program that has openings this time of the year. You're always going to hear rumors. And, you know, his name is going to be mentioned many times. Uh, and it's never going to be a head coaching job this time of the mm-hmm. season. It's going to be the a coordinator. coordinator yep. And, and that's just the way it works. And, my gut feeling is he's staying, but that's just a pure, pure thought process on mine. I'm not. I, I recognize the fact that, quite honestly, he could ten times his money or more mm-hmm. going as a D coordinator to LSU. I mean, LSU may pay a million and a half to two million dollars to their defensive yep. coordinator, and you know he's probably making what two forty fifty. Two fifty, 250, yep. Yeah, it's a significant. Oh difference. yeah, that's a. A
1: huge jump on pay.
0: Yeah, it's a significant difference. So we'll just wait and see. I'm not. I can't predict it. I don't know what's going to happen. We right. all want him to stay because October third,
1: we need at least one year of Bo Pelini and Bobby Petrino on the same field. There you go. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. give us one year of Bo and Bobby Petrino. You think but, that might be on ESPN? I think it's a good chance it might be on. Yeah, but could you imagine defensive meeting? of um, Ed Orgeron and Bo Flaney. The amount of intensity in that, oh my. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, it would be interesting. There's no question about You might have Coach O saying, go
1: Penguins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun. There's no question about that. There's a lot going on in the world yeah. of sports, but you know that locals right now is uh, mm-hmm. taking the front page a little bit, so it's kind of fun. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about, Anthony, is the change in our market. Our market has changed dramatically in the last uh, two months uh, if you're a sports fan. Now, many of those who listen to this know that I don't listen to sports Mm -hmm. radio. I just don't do it. Uh, If I do, I listen to SB Nation because of Western Reserve Mm -hmm. Radio, and I don't listen to it that often. Sorry, Jim. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Jim. uh, But I do listen to it. and uh, However, our market has changed, and... You know, We've lost Mark Means a few months back mm-hmm. on a daily program, uh, Ron Patessa now. His show has ended. Uh, much Bishop's show has left the market. Yeah. So there is no type of live local sports in the Valley anymore. So that's one of the reasons why we're stepping it up and bringing mm-hmm. in uh, the the guests with the specials. And we plan on continuing to do that. As a person who's worked in the market and who has had Radio shows in the past, and plural, mm-hmm. <laughs> and watched them disappear overnight. Disappointing to see in Very the market. Um, all of them, um, both Mark and Ron, entertaining in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Munch is in the same way. Uh, wish them all the best going forward. And radio has changed. Um, podcasting and other mediums have taken over. Uh, In a lot of ways, and has opened up the market to a lot of different Mm -hmm. people with different levels of experiences. Some are uh, absolute amateurs who do a great job, there are those who are semi professional or Mm -hmm. professional who do a great job. Mm -hmm. And we're going to just see how this takes us, but we're going to continue. To try to bring uh, the Mohoning Valley and uh, the world for that matter because we are worldwide yes, through <laughs> yes the podcast. We are, and we're going to continue to do it right here on Radio MVP. It's just the market has changed dramatically.
1: Yeah, it's and a shame.
0: It's, uh, it has, and you know, I could get on my rant about different things, but yeah, it's going to be difficult. So, I want to tell you right now if you like our podcast. Get involved with us. Uh, Tweet at me, at Tim Continenza. You can follow us on Facebook, Mm -hmm. on our Facebook page. Just search Radio MVP. Uh, You can also interact with us on any podcast through our website. Mm -hmm. You can comment on it right there. And if you get this through iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere they have type of ratings Mm -hmm. and reviews, give us a rating and review. I'm not going to tell you what to say or, or what rating to give us. Just do it and give it, give it, give it a try. And, uh, we would appreciate, uh, your support going forward because this is going to be different. This is the new reality of a market, our size and the the new reality in, in radio where everything that is done is not done locally, but on a national level. And you don't have that interaction and that voice. So we're going to cover it, uh, we're going to do our best. Uh, obviously, high school sports is our forte because mm-hmm. we have the high school football and basketball seasons. And what's really great, in my opinion, because yes. I do them both. Yes, you uh, do. Is I get to do Western PA with, uh, with the Hurricanes and uh, basketball and the WPIL. And then uh, we have over here football with, uh, with everyone over at Western Reserve Radio. And uh, I just got done talking with Jim a little bit ago. We'll be uh, involved again this spring. And early summer with the uh, GDFL, so the the Semi-Pro Football League, uh, and it's expanding. We're going to have a game of the week, yeah. and plus others. So it is going to be a lot of great things going on. And I'm going to give the plug out there. If you're a local person who wants local sports, the only place to get it now is Western Reserve yep. Radio. You can find them on TuneIn app. You can find them right there on the website. Uh, there's so many different ways. 365 website. There's... A lot of cool shows that do during the week, too, that
1: yeah. are in-house. Uh, our own Matt M. shows a show. Nice boxing show. I know there are a lot of boxing fans in this area. Yeah. You know, Brian Wynn does a great job yeah, on there's that. There's a and... lot of boxing fans in the area.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I've I've said it for years, and I'll continue to say it. Mahoning Valley, in my opinion, has always been a football, football baseball, bo- boxing, boxing. Yes. community. Yes, you're right. Uh, not that bowl is not huge. It is but when you but look at big. you look at the successes of the pl- people who have come from our area is primarily in football, football baseball, and, and boxing. boxing. Yep, you're right. You're exactly right. And we've done a
1: nice job as a podcast expanding our high school foot our high school footprint. We've done baseball this past year, football, like we've talked about, basketball games that you do. watch your football show? So we're. We're out there
0: trying to cover everything. We're out there trying to. We're just bringing you sports entertainment. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. And if there's a demand for us to do more than one a week, we'll do do more. Yeah. And like I said, if there's people who you want to hear from that you're not going to be able to hear from anymore, we're going to do that. I mean, we're going to reach out to many different people in our community that cover sports and talk to them and bring them in for 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And talk and get their specialty and, and talk about maybe some of their passions. That was the fun thing about uh, bringing Tom Reed in uh-huh. is we got to talk about soccer, which, you know, not necessarily uh, something that's ever talked about in our area. And mm-hmm. uh, my God, let me just say this right now. There's no stopping the Reds. Up the Reds to everybody. <laughs> Here he goes. Oh my God, it's phenomenal. <laughs> they are 16 points up with a game still to play in hand. Uh, so basically, they're the they, 95 Indians who run away and head for the All Star break. It it's more than that. They they basically it will take a complete collapse not to win. So you got to remember, in this league, there is no playoffs. It's just win or lose. Yeah, you finish on top of the of the mm-hmm. table. You won yeah. the you won the league. There is no playoffs, so you keep uh, winning. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just this. You have thirty eight games, and the winner of those thirty eight games that's it. It's over. And how many games are they in right now? They are twenty two games in. What's their record? Twenty one and zero and one. Holy crap! They've gotten sixty four out of sixty seven points, I believe.
1: Have any games been competitive?
0: Oh yeah, they've been, yeah, and the thing is, what they've done is they got like I want to say seven or eight now uh, clean sheets, which are basically shutouts. Yeah, yeah shut uh, out if you don't know what that means, it's shutout. That's the way you win. Yeah, I tell you what, there was defense a phenom- wins, right? Yeah, well, it was a t- phenomenal, phenomenal goal at the end of the game uh, Sunday, where uh, Allison Becker, the the goalkeeper, mm-hmm. uh, kicked the ball. You know, started off, and it mm-hmm. was in extra time, meaning it was. Yeah. Uh, as injury time is the correct term. Anyways, he he kicks the ball. He punts it, basically, and he kicks it over uh, midfield and on a run comes Mo Salah, and he just grabs it and takes it all the way down and puts it into the net. And it was in the final moments mm-hmm. of the game and very seldom you ever see it. But a goalkeeper got an assist on a goal. In soccer, you may <laughs> see it in hockey a few times. You may yeah, even see a hockey goal, but you but don't, rail see, yeah, soccer, you don't yeah. see it very, very often in soccer. And it was, it was phenomenal. And uh, yeah, they're just they're absolutely. When you're phenomenal.
1: going good, you're going good, huh?
0: I tell you what, I, I got lucky. Uh, I jumped on this at last the right year, time. yeah, yeah. And uh, Thursday they play again. Uh, I won't be able to watch that one. I'll be at work, but I'll be listening to it online. And uh, they play again, I think, Sunday. So I'll be down at West Side Bowl. Another plug for them. They do a great job down there. And uh, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. We enjoy it. And uh, we have a good time. And the best thing about soccer, too, it's like two hours and you're done. Yeah. That's including halftime, pregame halftime. You know, you're, you're in and out. You're so in far. and out, yeah. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. But anyways, um, yeah, the Reds are just phenomenal. You got, Liverpool's just just tearing them up. Uh, it's just it's phenomenal, and uh, I don't know if they'll ever lose. No, don't say that, Tim. <laughs> don't say that. Uh, it is it is the best. I will tell you what, I've uh, I actually watched more soccer last past weekend than I did NFL football. And if you told me that five years ago, I you would have, have said you're nuts. You. Yeah, I would have said. You see that wall that needs painted? I'll watch that. First. I'll watch that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. um, I'm not that person anymore, no Tim. I think I watched. Three plays,
1: each game, not including the kickoffs and the kneel down. Well, it just didn't excite me. Well, okay. I mean, yeah, I actually, should...
0: the game I wanted to see. Actually, I wanted to see them both. I just didn't. I ran into uh, some scheduling things, mm-hmm. and and uh, Sunday was my birthday, so I had a lot of going. It on. was yes, yes, yes. So uh, you, when was I going to find out? Uh, right now, <laughs> happy belated birthday! Then we're we are. Uh, yeah, I owe you a beer. Then after a football game, this year, Then there you go. Anyway, so I uh, I went down to the uh, to the West Side Bowl and watch watch uh, Liverpool play, and then I came home and did a few things, and then I had to uh, to head down to the studio down in uh, Struthers and talk to Jim for a while. And uh, would normally should be like fifteen minutes. Anytime Jim and I get together, it turns into a couple. It turns hours. into a couple hours. Yeah. And and uh, it was like five thirty. I'm leaving. Oh there. my goodness! And I came back home and uh, had a little uh, party. My, uh, my nephews and I came over, so it was fun. My my sister and them. So we had a good time. But that's insignificant information. Yeah. But so yeah, I didn't get to see a lot of football yesterday. Uh, Sunday, Patrick Mahomes. What can you say? He's the best
1: quarterback in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah, he's incredible. I told a 49ers fan today at work, and I said, listen, your defense is really good, and your front seven's incredible. But I'm telling you right now, if Mahomes and Reed get going, you're not stopping them. They're incredible. I mean, so much speed and so many it's weapons. It's a classic it's mashup
0: against a great offense versus a great mm-hmm. defense. Mahomes will be the difference in the game if they control him and keep him in the pocket. Yes. Uh, that right. will be huge for San Francisco going forward. In the Super Bowl, and more than anything, I don't believe most people realize how fast Mahomes is. And how he can make you dodge and miss. And he is stronger than you think. As that one was demonstrated when he ran that 15-yard touchdown. That sparked him. That got him going right there, yeah. It's just, it really is who they are. and. They They start slow. You know what's interesting about these two teams in this matchup coming up? San Francisco has equal amount of talent, meaning star players on Mm -hmm. both sides of the ball. They have some really all-star, all-pro type players on both offense and defense, especially defensive line and offensive Mm -hmm. line. While Kansas City has the majority of their players who are all pros, all on offense. The defense is good. But it's, not, it's, it's not, not San Francisco No, good. no, it's not even – it's mediocre good. Yes. It's in the middle. That's going to be the really the biggest challenge is can't Kansas City defense make enough stops? The team who, beginning of the year, struggled to stop the run, the Chiefs got
1: better as the year went on stopping the run. If they can control the ground game of the Niners, there's a really good shot for them.
0: Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's they, going to be you're difficult. You're
1: right because they got so many – because it's not your typical ground and pound like the Titans do. It's a lot of formations, a lot of uh, jet motions and jet and everything else. It's, it's not the typical lineup on our set on
0: a hand the ball Well, Kyle Shanahan has earned his reputation, and we'll see if he learned from his mistake when he was in Atlanta, mm-hmm. when he had a 28-3 Three, lead yeah. and started to throw the ball everywhere. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this team is not built that way. I think Jimmy G, if he needed him he, to, could do, do it, it yes. but he's not necessarily built that way. Uh, this team's not built that way. This team's totally built differently than it, that Atlanta team was. So you're right. We'll see. You know what happens in that Super the team Bowl. is built to win the Super Bowl.
1: The question is, number fifteen on the other side in red is pretty good.
0: Yeah, and number ten is pretty good. Yeah, and, <laughs> he is. And they have a running back that's decent, you know. And, and Travis Cox is an animal. Yeah, exactly. So We I mean, have two best tight ends in football, I think, playing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's really going to be an interesting matchup. Like I said, it's a prototypical um, mm-hmm. classic matchup of a great offense versus a great defense. The difference is the team with a great defense has a great running game. Yes. And how effective that running game will be, you uh, and now both teams have 2 weeks to prepare mm-hmm. for each other so you know there's going to be some some, some new wrinkles yeah. yeah new wrinkles involved both offensively and defensively and how they handle it so i'm actually looking forward to the super bowl it should be a great matchup i'm um, i think this is the matchup everyone was hoping for not necessarily always get what you're looking for in the super mm-hmm. bowl but as the playoffs progressed i think most fans would have loved to say it was going to be a San Francisco and a, a Kansas City mm-hmm. matchup and basically one versus two, but I know it's not necessarily Yeah, that. you got you got the two best teams. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I think you really do get yeah, the two, two best, best teams, teams yep. in football and each conference playing against each other. So that's all you're ever wanting. You don't mind a Cinderella story if, if Tennessee, Tennessee got there? It. Fantastic. Or... You have the sentimental favorite in like a Rodgers. if you yeah. took the Packers there, obviously didn't happen. Yeah. But those are all great storylines. I just think what we've seen here tonight, or what we've seen yesterday, and uh, what we'll see in a couple of weeks should be a lot of fun. And uh, it's it's amazing how, this time of the year how fast it rolls by. We're down to one last football game in the yeah. in the uh, the season in 2019, in 2020 I guess you used to say, and then. We're, what, three weeks away from the baseball yes, season? Yes, we and are. Anthony, I know we're kind of going long here today, but let's uh, let's talk about the baseball and yeah. the cheating yes. uh, scandal real quickly with with the Houston Astros. I mean, a phenomenal scenario was going on. It keeps unfolding, doesn't it? There's, la- there's well, layers la- and layers. Yeah. Last week when we talked last, uh, we are talking about the Red Sox and Cora. Mm-hmm. He has been let go. Uh, the Mets. Uh, Meltran, yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising. Yeah, I, I agree with
1: that, too. It's because he wasn't the ringleader, per se. He was involved
0: to an extent, really like one of the players. Like... Well, supposedly he was one of the the, the more the, known players and the, in the said, guys yeah. who helped develop the system. Um, however, he was a player, not a manager. Mm-hmm. He was not a coach uh, like Cora mm-hmm. and AJ Hinch were or the GM. Yeah. Um, you know, what Lillard was at. Yeah. So, uh, those things, I understand. The Mets had nothing to do with it. Uh, it's not no. like Cora and this cheating scandal with, with the it, Red Sox. It, are it going, happened again. Right. And, yeah. and they were waiting for information on that one to, to be decided. Like it was just a,
1: a thing of peer pressure.
0: Yeah, it was. I think it's exactly what it was. It was peer pressure that caused the Mets to make that move. Um, I feel bad for a guy because He's a good baseball guy, and is he going to get a shot again to manage? I would hope so. Someday. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of names being bannered about. Um, obviously, no one has been hired anywhere, but watch for Dusty Baker to get one of these jobs. I
1: think Dusty Baker and Buck
0: Show Walter will grab two or three jobs. Probably. And that's what I was talking about Yes, l- last week. Uh, you were probably going to find a baseball sense. lifer.
1: Yes. It makes too much sense. Two good guys. Uh, Dusty Baker's a heck of a manager. I know a lot of people say, oh, well, he's never won. But every every place he goes, they get better. And do the Astros or Red Sox really need to get that much better? I mean, he steps right in. And, and they're going to be World Series favorites, aren't they?
0: You got to think. Yeah, no. And it would be good for baseball to have a minority. Yes. I hate to say that. But you're right, though. You're losing you're Cora, right. you're losing Beltran, to Latin player, former players, they were managers. But you're so, right. You know, Buck Showalter is a... Hell of is, a manager. Yeah, he's he's a lifer, and mm-hmm. he makes a lot of sense. I don't know who's going to get what job, or if they're surmising... Showalter's yeah. going
1: to Houston, I think.
0: Well, I haven't heard anything, so... That's just well, is my yeah. guess. I haven't yeah. heard anything right. either. That's... And it makes sense. Um, or he goes to Boston because he's familiar with the AL East.
1: It all depends. Yeah, there's,
0: it, there's so many potential things, but I, I definitely believe a Shoalwater or a Dusty Baker gets one of these jobs. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It just makes sense. It'd be a good short-term fix. Yes. I think the Mets hire from within. I don't know if they have anybody from within. If they do, they're going to reach out. Don't be surprised when I say this, that they reach out to a player who... Has a connection to the Mets, but hasn't been there in a long time. Someone like Sandy Alomar. I was thinking that name
1: too. As soon as uh, I got the notification that Carlos Beltran was out with the Mets, that's immediately where my mind went to Sandy.
0: And we'll see. I mean, obviously, a chance to manage, you got to take Sandy's it. Because
1: Sandy's been very picky about the managerial drives he's. Because you think he's kind of waiting to see what Tito does? because no,
0: I don't think it... it... Uh, I think he generally loves well, Cleveland. I think, I don't... Well, no, there's no question that his connection to the organization mm-hmm. in Cleveland is, is strong. Mm-hmm. And if he would ever leave the organization for a, for a manager job, I think the Indians organization would be 100% behind him Yes, in getting that opportunity. Uh, and in the future, if something should ever happen where he became available, I believe he would be Welcome with open arms to come back into the organization. Hundred uh, percent. He's an basically Indian for life. the same type scenario, and it was a very short stint that Francona had with the Indians back mm-hmm. after his Philadelphia stay uh, before he got the job at Boston. And then when the opportunity to come back to yep. Cleveland did happen, he you know obviously jumped at it and has been there ever since. So mm-hmm. I do believe. Uh, there's always that opportunity. You know, another name I'm going to throw out there who could, a baseball lifer, makes a lot of sense to go after is Mike Hargrove for hmm. any of these jobs. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to get it. I'm not even saying, like I said, I just got a gut feeling some veteran guys are going to get their opportunity before they give it to someone Do You young. think Grover wants to manage again, though? I think of these three teams, he probably take a shot at it. Because the of are the Astros are... The yeah. Red Sox, yeah. Yeah, Astro, Red Sox, or even the Mets. Yeah. I think the Mets are actually a, a team that has potential with that pitching staff. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's just a matter of having true leadership in the right position. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, we're just throwing names out there and, and scenarios. How but... about this? Rod Mills goes back to Houston. No. No? No. Well, good. They can keep him here. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I'd be shocked. If it does happen, I'll be absolutely shocked. I think
1: Houston's going to get either Baker or Showalter. I think those are probably the two. I
0: think if you're Houston, you need a baseball lifer because you want to clean the image and cleanse the, what has happened. You want someone from outside the organization, someone who brings you instant credibility, and someone who uh, has had experience either taking over a job at one point in his career or uh, leading a team into the playoffs. So uh, I think Show I think Dusty Baker, even a Mike Hargrove all fits their criteria. I don't know if that's what they'll do. My gut feeling is they're going to try to find someone with such a high level of ethic and such a, a high level of, of experience that they, they're going to want that person. The Astros are looking at Eduardo Perez. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh, yeah,
1: exactly. And
0: I think the the Mets are going to be looking at him, too. I agree. And I agree.
1: Because wasn't he a finalist for the Mets job? Yes. With, with Beltran?
0: Yes. So, I think he was in the mix. So, so, yeah, I think he'll definitely be in the mix again. And we'll see. Like I said, I, traditionally, when you have a scenario like this, you find a baseball lifer to give your instant credibility back mm-hmm. uh, to the world baseball and to your organization. So that's why I'm looking at a veteran more. I'm looking at someone outside. Uh, Perez has a great reputation. Yes, he does. And we'll see if he gets the job. Not saying here's not saying that you can't get someone out of the, out of the telev- television booth and bring them down because it's happened many Aaron times. Boone, yeah. yeah, it's happened many times. He's not, here's something to keep an eye
1: on. Roberto Perez, who works for ESPN, who does a great job, Jessica Mendoza, who does a phenomenal job on Sunday Night Baseball,
0: is a special advisor to the Mets now. I'm just – It can happen. We've already seen that actually happen in, in San Francisco where they uh, yeah. uh, they brought in a, a, a female uh, coach this past year or this past week. Yeah, I'm just saying that uh, Jessica
1: Mendoza, who knows Eduardo Perez, who can vouch- – I, I
0: tell you what, I talking about Jessica M- Mendoza real quickly, uh, I was surprised by her reaction. I was too. I was very, uh, very taken aback by that, Tim. I very was, surprised. Yeah, because um, the way she framed it, it, almost sounded like she was being sympathetic to them, and I, I, just surprised me. Yes,
1: I don't know what to say because I heard her, her comments, and I'm like, oh, really? Because you would think someone who's been around the game and softball and then,
0: and then the to take the a end. shot at Fryer for telling the truth of what happened. Yeah, and, and blaming him for the outcome that that happened, I just I, I was shocked. I mean, yeah, that's the it, way I heard it. That's the way it surprised me. Um, I've always
1: seemed to agree with her comments. I think. Uh, oh, I think she, she knows knows does a cre- out. tremendous I think she, yeah. job. Uh, if it were just her and Vasquez and they got rid of a Rod, I would have no problem with that. But yeah, when she made her comments, I was kind of like, oh, not was I not something I expected from her?
0: Yeah. It's just kind of odd, card. yeah. Caught me off guard. You never know what what someone's thinking and what they're what until they're asked, and and they expound on their in their thought processes. Um, heck, I, I've I've said things people can't believe. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we all yeah. have her.
1: And look, and she might have. I was just surprised. With the guys I was or...
0: surprised the way she linked the whistleblower to, to the yes the outcome yes. and blamed that person. Uh, for putting a a stain on the game, and I was thinking just the opposite, that you would actually you, have You would more... want him. Yes. Thank you for. Yeah. For, for... You'd, rather, this you'd, you'd rather have this exposed than not exposed, but and, you and know that's what, the Don't way Tim? it came across to me.
1: You made a great point last week, and it keeps coming back to me every time I talk to somebody about what's going on. Because you and know I are baseball purists. We love baseball. That's my favorite sport. You've covered it. You're a a diehard baseball fan, there's no room for this. And every time I talk to somebody about this, I keep saying, I go, baseball has always had that era where there's a scandal going on. Steroids, sign stealing, pine tar, you know, all of this. But they've also had the kind of thought process of, if you're not pushing the line, you're not trying to win. And it's almost like Jessica Mendoza is along that thought process to him of if you're not towing the the yeah. line. If you're not there, in the gray area, yes. you're not trying yes. hard um, enough yet. and, and I get and another person at work said the same thing. He said that he's totally okay with this and um look and Well here's the, the
0: difference is there was rules that stated that you could not use technology, yes. you could not do the things that they were doing. And everybody who was involved knew this. And as it got longer into a season and multiple seasons doing it, they then exposed themselves to the penalties that has happened and the stain that they will have as known as cheaters the rest of their careers in baseball. Because it didn't go away from Pete Rose and it's Uh, knocking away from these guys. It's never going to go away, no matter who you are. It, It is what it is. And you can't change that fact because of the report that came down. Just like the steroid era. Those who use steroids will always be linked to being a steroid user. A-Rod will always, to me, be a guy who was suspended for an entire season, who was admitted and proven to be a steroid user. Yes. And you can go on and on. You can say those who've been accused, some of them have not been uh, 100% Verified users, mm-hmm. and I get it. Now we're not talking about the Hall of Fame. We're just talking about who they yes. are and what they did, and they've been verified as users of that during that mm-hmm. era. Nothing can change that. You, this has happened. Manny Ramirez. Nothing can change no. that. Rafael Palomero. Romero. Nothing can Roger change Clemens, that. Mark exactly. Sammy so, yes. Nothing can change that. Now you could say the the case against Roger Clemens and the case against Sammy Sosa yes. are not strong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then and both of them have denied it. And that there's no true linkage proof mm-hmm. to it. It is just, you know, it is uh, how Jose the, Canseco. Well, he's, yeah. he's admitted to it. Yeah. And, uh, there's many others. And Jose is not a hall of famer. No, now he had great years, but he was never a hall of famer. I mean, he did things that never was done before, but it was also during that era. Yep. So uh, we could talk about that another day. But my point is, if you do end up stained, it doesn't leave you. No. no. Um, that's like myself. Um, one reason I don't like Sunday Night Baseball is because A-Rod's on it. I completely agree with you, Tim. I don't understand why ESPN would reach out to someone of that character and put him on their baseball.
1: Um. For a network that cut Baseball Tonight and all their baseball shows and signed the other simulcast. Major League Baseball Network programs, you would think they would get other people outside of Excursion from the network, a John Smoltz, a Sean Casey,
0: a Harold Reynolds. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah it, well, it's, I, I get it. It's controversial. They like but that. But it's the name. Yeah, They like that. And yep. they've always have. And those who are in charge have made those decisions. Me personally, would I have made that decision of bringing no. a Rod in as your number one analyst no. on Sunday Night Baseball? The answer is no. Does that mean that he does not do a decent job and doesn't? It uh, doesn't know baseball. Of course he does. However, I personally would rather have anybody yes, else in I that seat. I agree with you. Yeah. Walter Perez would have been a better choice, in my opinion, and and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you know go down the list, and it is a Rick what it Sutcliffe. Is. Yeah. There's so many. There are many, many, many. You could put. It. Maybe MLB Network needs to cover the Sunday night game of the week. Well, no, it's not even that. Well, let's get it's rid not, of ESPN. No, it's not even that because ESPN pays for it. Major League Baseball is owned by Major League Baseball. There's a big difference. <laughs> uh, we can get, uh, I'm not an ESPN <laughs> fan, anyways. Well, it's not so if it's you wanted put... matching ESPN. It's just saying I personally don't understand why they made the choices they did. And going forward, we'll see how it works. I mean, I have nothing against it all. I love the idea of Jess uh, Mendoza yeah. being in in the booth. I enjoy listening to her. I do too. Uh, I, I enjoy listening to her talk about hitting. Yes, I enjoy phenomenal. Listening, you know, talking about playing the outfield and and everything that she's experienced as a you know I was a player at you know in Olympic softball. champion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she has her talents and there's no question about she communicates well yes Uh, i was just surprised by her comments yes but i was too that's sports 100. percent yeah and uh you know there's people right now probably saying the same damn thing about me so oh yeah Yeah. uh, what the hell all right anthony we're going to wrap this one up this has been a kind of all over the board here today i want to thank john vargo for coming on the uh, podcast and uh looking forward to having more guests going forward and please as i say each and every week Tell your family, friends, and enemies about Radio MVP as we continue to grow and bring you sports here in the Mahoning Valley and around the world. We're closing in on 100 episodes, Tim. Yep. Been close to three years.
1: Yep. Yeah, three years come March. March, uh, right around St. Patrick's Day, I think,
0: wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We probably have had over 160 total episodes on Radio MVP. All right. For Anthony, I am Tim. We will talk to you uh, next week right here on Radio MVP.